got us at a time where we're finishing up our series on life in Babylon. So really great that you could uh, join us. It's going to be a little bit different to what we normally do this morning. I'm going to speak uh, just uh, briefly, you'll be pleased to know, and then I'm inviting uh, Lainey to come up and basically give us some a um, bit of some application coming out of uh, this series on life in Babylon and this passage that we're looking at this morning. So why don't I pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your goodness and grace, and we ask you to come pour out your spirit upon us now, Lord, to speak to us through your word, quicken our hearts, Lord. I thank you that you're here with us by the spirit closer than we know, and we ask you to minister in great grace and power to us, each one, that we might hear you and know you more in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's really been only in the last few years that I've basically realised that uh, when Paul talks about the armour of God in Ephesians 6, that um, last reading that we looked at, he dedicates almost as much time to the armour and the weapon of prayer as he does to the rest of the armour combined. I don't know if you've noticed that in the second reading. Uh, We usually uh, don't think of prayer as part of the armour, but right on the back of the armour, he spends more time on prayer than the rest of the armour combined. It's, It's our greatest weapon. Uh, If you like, what I want to show you this morning through uh, the readings that we look at is is prayer is calling in the heavy artillery. That's what prayer is. It's calling in the heavy artillery. And I want to show you this again and again through the story of Daniel as we go through it this morning. But the Paul says that that, uh, in, in Chapter 6, verse 18 of Ephesians, he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Uh, The the Proverbs 3 says, In all your ways acknowledge him. In John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus says, I can do nothing apart from the Father. It's this call to always pray, to always inquire of the Lord. And I want you to see that in Daniel Uh, Oswald Sanders once said this, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is calling in the heavy artillery. And so I want to show you this a bit from the story of Daniel. Uh, And we're going to flip around a bit. And if you've got your Bibles open, you you can see it in chapter 2. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and he doesn't know how to understand it. So he calls in all of his advisors and and none of them can can interpret the dream. And so he's like, okay, well, off with your heads. I'm going to kill you all. And then Daniel amazingly puts his hand up and he says, well, I know a God who can interpret the dream. He's like putting his head on the chopping block and and, and saying, well, I know a God who is able to interpret dreams. Uh, Do you remember that story of chapter 2? It was just a few weeks ago. And then he goes home and what does he do? Daniel chapter 2, verse verse 22. Uh, Sorry, I've lost my place. He goes home uh, and he says to his friends... Lost my place. Help me out here. Uh, There we are. No, it's not there. Uh, There it is, right in front of me. Sorry. Uh, It's in Daniel Daniel chapter 2, 17. Now you've uh, been able to find it. He goes home and it says, Daniel went to his house. He told his friends about the matter, urging them to ask the God of the heavens for mercy. He's got a band of mates 
who are with him and they're a prayer group. And he goes home and he says, guys, I've got my head on the chopping block. Nebuchadnezzar's had this dream. If I don't get this interpretation, we're all toast. And so he urges them to ask the God of heavens for mercy. And you know how the story ends. In answer to prayer, God gives him, reveals the mystery to him. He's able to interpret the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And he and all of the advisors who are going to die are saved. And it comes in answer to Daniel's prayer. And so it's this incredible revelation that God brings of his mysteries through an answer to prayer. And so it's in light of this answer that we see again that the same dynamic of God answering prayer in our story this morning in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Remember the law has been out, uh, the prayer has been outlawed. We saw in the reading this morning. It's against the law to pray. And Daniel's like, "Yeah, right." After all that I've seen God do through prayer, do you think I'm going to stop praying? Do you think I'm going to bow down to a king as opposed to the king of kings and the Lord of lords who has immeasurably great power and is able to answer and do signs and wonders in answer to prayer? You've got to be joking. And so they outlaw it. And what does he do in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10? He continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room open towards Jerusalem, to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. He didn't stop. The habit was so ingrained that it was like a you know thousand-ton locomotive. He was not going to stop his routine of praying three times a day after all that he'd seen God do in answer to his prayers. And so the Apostle Paul knew it well in Ephesians 6, and we see that Daniel knew it well, what Samuel Chadwick once said, that Satan dreads nothing but prayer. Because he knows that prayer is calling in the heavy artillery. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. Brothers and sisters, has he been successful in keeping you from praying and you calling in the heavy artillery into the situations that you face in your family, in your own heart, in our culture, in our church? Has he been able to keep you from praying and calling in the heavy artillery of all of his might and power in answer to prayer? I pray that he hasn't because he fears nothing, Satan, from prayerless studies. Dear students, university students and school, do you bathe your studies in prayer? Because if not, Satan has nothing to fear from you. He fears nothing from prayerless work. Brothers and sisters who are still working in whatever way your front lines, are you calling in the heavy artillery of prayer to give you the Spirit's wisdom and glory and might and power to do it with his wisdom and his strength? Because Satan has nothing to fear from you if you're not. He fears nothing from prayerless religion. As we gather to worship our king, do we come and is it an empty religious ritual or are we bathing it in the power of prayer, calling in the heavenly host to minister to his people in the power of his Holy Spirit? Because if not, Satan has nothing to fear from us. He laughs at our toil, he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Is it any wonder why Daniel didn't stop praying three times a day? Because he knew that prayer is calling in the heavy artillery. Even Nebuchadnezzar comes to realize this in the story that we've seen. He's cottoning onto something that I fear that we as the body of Christ haven't even cottoned onto yet. And that is what Nebuchadnezzar says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. Here's Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, says, The Most High does what he wills with the host of heaven. 
He's talking about the Most High having armies of angels at his disposal to command and to send to wherever he pleases. Legions upon legions of angels that do his bidding. And so he does what he wills with the host of heaven. But I want you to notice in the story that he does so in answer to prayer. And we see this two times. So Nebuchadnezzar is saying, God does what he wills with the host of heaven. And what I want to show you in the story is that he does so not, we just cross our fingers and, and, and hope for the best. No, he does so in answer to prayer. Case one is Daniel 6 verse 22 in our story. Daniel says, after his, he says, my God sent his angel, so there's one of the heavenly hosts, and shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. Now, do you think after Daniel knew that he was going into the lion's den when he stopped three times to pray each day, that he might have been praying that the Lord might deliver him from the mouths of the lions? Or do you think that Daniel praying and him being delivered from the mouths of the lion were two absolute coincidences that had no connection with one another? It's obvious, isn't it? God delivered him from the mouths of the lion and sent an angel in answer to prayer. Please don't miss the connection. It's not across your heart, cross your fingers and hope to die. It's in answer to prayer. But we see it again in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is praying and he says this in verse 21. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel. Anyone know who that is? It's the angel Gabriel who appeared to Mary. While I was speaking in prayer, please don't miss the point. While I was speaking in prayer, the angel Gabriel, whom I'd seen before in a vision, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He came and said to me, Daniel, I have now come out to give you wisdom and understanding. Does anyone need wisdom and understanding in their parenting? Does anyone need wisdom and understanding in their workplace and in their family? I came to give you wisdom and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, says angel Gabriel, your supplication, a word was went out and I have come to declare it. Please don't miss the connection. Indeed, Nebuchadnezzar was right. The Most High does what he wills with the host of heaven, but he does so in answer to prayer. It's as clear as day. And so it's an invitation for us to pray. Call in the heavy artillery. Please don't miss that point. C.S. Lewis once said that there are two equal and opposite errors into which people can fall about the devils and you could say about the spiritual realm in which we live. Two equal and opposite areas, errors. One is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Well, I'm willing to stake my flag on the idea that we have fallen into the first area, error, which is to disbelieve in their existence. We, we don't believe that this is true and we don't believe that prayer is unleashing the heavy artillery into our troubles, into our struggles. I, I, I fear that we have fallen into the first error, which is why it's good for us to be reminded from Paul in Ephesians 6.12 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Have you, can you see the prevalence of evil in our culture? 
Can you see the prevalence of evil amongst our young people? Can you see the prevalence of evil in our education system and in our politics and in our world? Who can deny that there's a spiritual battle going on? And so it is good for us to have our eyes open to these realities and the power of evil, especially in our own hearts, but in our culture as well. But more important is that our eyes are open to God's immeasurably great power for us who believe. Paul says, take up your armor of God and pray in the spirit at all times. Earlier on in Ephesians chapter 1, he prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Isn't it ironic in our enlightened a post-enlightenment world where we've been so enlightened as a culture, we've been completely darkened to the power of evil and the spiritual forces that are at work in the world in, in this age of enlightenment. We've been dark, and the church has been darkened to the power of prayer to, be, to, to unleash God's great artillery and spiritual power and forces at work. He says, Paul goes on, by the way, this he says, your eyes may enlighten to your incomparably great power. And commentators point out that Paul is just going way too excessive with his grammar in, in putting these three words together. Uh, incomparable in the Greek is the word hyperballon, and this word great, incomparably great, it, the Greek word is megathos, and then power is the Greek word dunamis, from which we get dynamite. In other words, Paul is praying that he says, I want you to know, and not just in your head, I want you to know in your experience the hyper-mega-dynamite of God. That's what he's saying, his incomparably great power. And, and he's just trying to use the, the, the stretches, the limits of human language to be able to describe this power. And then he says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exert, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Prayer is calling in the heavy artillery and Paul wants the church to know and have their eyes open and enlightened to this immeasurably great power. And of course, the Lord Jesus knew this power too. Uh, remember that story when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter was trying to defend him and he cut off one of the servant's uh, ears and, uh, and, and he says to Peter, do you think I cannot call my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? You know what a legion was, right? In the Roman Guard, it was a, it was a troop of 3,000 to 6,000 Roman soldiers. And he says, do you think I can't, in one second, God will put at my disposal, in answer to prayer, 12 legions of angels to save us? I can do it, just in answer to prayer, just like that, if I ask him. So why didn't he? Why didn't he? If he could, why didn't he? Why did God send, send his angel to shut the mouths of the lions in the case of Daniel, but in the case of his beloved son, he was thrown to the lions and hung up on a cross, no legions of angels, but abandoned and crucified? Jesus said, I could call on that, that power in a second. So why didn't he? Paul gives us the clue, I think, in Colossians 2 verse 13. 
He's speaking to the church and he says, when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him. That's Jesus. When he forgave us all our trespasses, cancelling the record that stood against us, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't take his sins with him. He took our sins to die on our behalf for us. And you see, when, when Daniel was thrown to the lions, it, it was just Daniel. But when Jesus was strung up on the cross, it wasn't just Jesus. It was everyone who's put their trust in him. And of course, when Daniel came out of that cave in this story, it was just Daniel. But when the Lord Jesus came out of that empty tomb, it wasn't just Jesus. It was everyone who puts their trust in him. The Apostle Paul says, God made you alive together with him. He died for our sins and he rose for our redemption. But Daniel, the Apostle Paul goes even further. It's not just that we've been raised with Christ from death to life. He goes further in Ephesians 2.6 and he says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. See, this is God's immeasurably great power for us who are in Christ. And to the degree that we grasp this God's great power for us in Christ will be the degree to which we pray and call in the heavy artillery uh, in modern warfare probably one of the most important systems, and we've seen this in the war in Ukraine, is actually the communications system. It's one of the most important systems in modern warfare, the absence of which which has been called the fog of war. I know, uh, for example, early on in the war, uh, the um, Ukrainians were able to shut down the Russian communication system, so these top-ranking generals were just using the mobile phone network of Ukraine and they were able to pinpoint them and take them all out in a matter of a few days. And it was because of the power of communication systems. But here's the thing. What makes the radio so powerful is not intrinsic to the radio. It's what the radio is connected to. And what's the radio connected to in the war field? It's connected to overwhelming power. That's what the radio is connected to. I was reading the story of Sergeant Leroy Miller, who was in World War II fighting with the Allies in Italy against the Nazis. And he was alone on the battlefield by himself. There was a wider battalion uh, on the war field. But he was on his own, and he was taken out by a barrage of Nazi tanks and artillery. Just one soldier, when there were so many elsewhere, why did they target him? Why did they take him out? Because he had a radio. And that radio was connected to overwhelming and extraordinary power. And so they had to take him out first. Here's the point, friends. Prayer is by by far our most powerful weapon because it connects us to the Spirit's power. I don't know if you've read the musing this morning from Leslie. It's been an interesting read. And she asked this question Where's the power? Again and again, she asks, where's the power? And I want to suggest that the answer in part comes from James chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you ask not. 
It's available to us. And the invitation, like Daniel and like the Apostle Paul, is to use it and to call in the heavy artillery. Now I'm going to hand it over to uh, Lainey and she's going to give some wonderful examples, practical ways of how the saints uh, are doing that and have been doing that across Perth and uh, indeed across Australia. So over to you. Tag, (laughs) tag teaming on this one. So it is lovely to see many of you again and the others who I missed during school holidays and I look forward to meeting you over morning tea as well. And basically I am quite excited to to share this which is one highlight of the work that we get to do with City Bible Forum and that's the the prayer teams. And and it is an application flowing out of Daniel 6. And I love how we observe faith on the front line in this account from Daniel and his friends over these six chapters. So uh, for those who missed us in in school holidays, recall that our our front lines are wherever God puts us in the world to live for him and uh, to live for him amongst non-believers. And so this could be uh, workplaces, high school or uni or other community group opportunities. And so it's a great joy and privilege that we have, we all have a role in showing and shining and sharing Jesus and the good news. And really God does that in so many different ways. And so over this six weeks through Daniel, you've seen a number of interactions that Daniel has had with his superiors, his peers and the king. And a couple of highlights for me from Daniel 6 surrounding prayer. Basically Daniel is prayerful. And he's known for being prayerful. And it's this prayerfulness that is what his jealous colleagues use to trip him up and the king. And so we could look at a couple of things. On hearing that decree and seeing the implications for himself and his friends, Daniel could have had a couple of really human responses, and which we would probably consider quite reasonable as other humans. So not knowing that he's colleagues um, instigated it, he could have gone and had a grumble with those colleagues about the annoying boss, the king. He could have become quite angry or he could have asked to come before the king and then give the king a piece of his mind or plead that he could um, uh, plead with the king about changing this annoying decree. But Daniel does neither of those things. He continues with his regular habit, says it's regular, and he goes ahead with his usual prayer time. He takes this situation straight to God in prayer. And so is that our reflex or instinctive sort of response, automatic, when um, these situations arise? And we certainly see these situations at work, at high school, um, amongst family and, and on all our front lines. So how can we develop this to be a reflex Um, and our first course of action to bring injustices or conflict or anything to God. And it is just that. It is through a habit of regular prayer throughout our day. Yes, there's solo, as we saw um, Daniel did in this one, and there's the option of praying with others, and there's many benefits to that, and I love that as well. And um, if we think of a Daniel thing, there are times that I do get calls during the week where these type of flare-up type things happen, and I'll read a psalm and pray with someone over the phone. So they might be in a situation where they can't talk, but I can give them yes-no questions and, and then pray with them and um, help de-escalate things with them themselves 
through God and prayer. Uh, but our, our regular ways, that's, that's a spontaneous one, but our regular way is um, having these evangelistic prayer teams. And these are people getting together and doing it regularly, uh, encourage one another for living for Jesus on, our, on their front lines and in endeavours to share the good news. And so it's not limited to workers. It is for anyone on front lines. And so that's reminding everyone that everyone has a front line, whether it's school or we have our grandparents amongst families and anywhere. And so all of us can take these steps and see God at work and see prayer answered. And so meeting together helps us keep looking outwards and taking opportunities, um, sort of keeping them on the agenda. Uh, think of it as a little radar. It keeps our opportunity radar is tuned into God wherever our front line is. Now, there's a, the little handout. The action steps was distributed on the way in, or there's a few spares hopping around, hopefully. That's just one page out of a, a full book that we have. Basically, um, we're thinking of someone's journey to faith as a series of steps. And so, in summary, these little steps here are uh, is us being in places with non-believers to start with, that we can have personal conversations, letting others know we follow Jesus, socialising, getting to know their worldview, sharing a biblical worldview on a topic of conversation. Uh, we can share a gospel outline. These are progressing along those little arrows there. Uh, helping someone check out the words of Jesus for themselves in the Bible. Walking through with someone in accepting an invitation to follow Jesus and linking in with a good church. So you can see that sort of that progression. Um, but this layout might suggest that things are chronicle, but, uh, chronological. <laughs> um, but we know in real life and with spiritual battles that we do hop backwards and forwards in those steps. And so we see in God's sovereignty and in grace and through prayer, we are aiming to see, keep people progressing along. And so you might even think back to your own path and what progression and saw what steps you saw there. And so we can have this progression in mind. It helps us keep our prayers and actions specific and intentional and seeing them specifically answered. So a couple of points on that. So... It's great, and we do want to pray definitely that we see people become Christians and come to church, and God is continuing to draw people into his kingdom. And though these prayers are answered, because he definitely does, it can feel a little bit infrequent. And what we see in these steps that's exciting is that we see God is at work in every little step along the way, and we can give thanks for those regularly and all the time. And so it's super encouraging when I meet with different groups during the week and we give thanks for something that God's answered specifically. So a little sample specific prayer that we could pop in there is that I could pray for my friends Jade and Judy and that they would accept invitation to dinner on Friday night and be praying that conversations would be deeper and personal. And I could also pray that I'd learn more about their worldview and have opportunities to share biblical ideas. And then sort of action-wise on my side is making an invite and having dinner organised with a couple of Christians, with these couple of non-Christians, and having that together. And so the acceptance of that invitation is in God's hands, so we pray. And it's a very specific prayer. I've named people, and um, I've aimed at specific steps. As opposed to, for myself, uh, the vague and general way I used to pray, you know, 
please give me opportunities at work. It's hard to know when to give thanks for those answers and how to act. So we're going to divide these relational steps, those little arrows, into groups using these motifs of coffee, dinner, gospel. And I'll explain those along the way. And I have another leaflet for you on it as well. If you think of a, a coffee catch-up, it's short, it's easy, and it's a public space. And the conversations are about safe topics, weather, sport, movies, family, plans, things like that. And in the follow-up type of this level conversation, you can have things like, how did Tommy go in, this, in a soccer final? Uh, ideally, you'll see the second one there, people know I'm a Christian, so ideally we'll out, our, you know, out ourselves as a follower of Jesus quite early in getting to know someone. And if we haven't yet, yeah, I get it, so we'll pray. It's one of our prayer points. We'll pray for boldness and for a good response in letting people know that we're a Christian. And send, There's a prayer and there's an action. And so you'll often have snippet conversations passing in the kitchen when you're making a coffee during coffee break or before a class. And frequently these little conversations are very surface level and we just skim that surface, but we skim that surface over and over. So it takes extended time in a social context, that's arrow number three, that extended time together, get a bit further than just skimming like the previous example. So we see that progression to what we call dinner or if it's school or work, lunch. So it is a a bigger invite. It's a bit more commitment. It's a longer duration together and more likely in a private space. So these are just motifs and sort of metaphors as well as potential ways to do them. So here the conversations get a little bit deeper level. We start getting into values and worldviews. So the issues are closer to a person. How are things going with your neighbours, if they've shared something about that with you before? Listen and understand where, um, where they're coming from and pondering uh, deeper questions. How do you feel about that? How will you decide what to say? It's your probing questions. You're basically praying to get some insight into how values are informing people's decisions. Uh, but you're not asking that bluntly and... I think if you ask someone directly what values are helping you decide that, that they wouldn't know how to answer that because we don't really do it in a conscious way. So we're doing lots of listening here. If you're thinking of evangelism, we think of it's more about us talking, but we're listening more. So then we have a better starting point and we have a more informed starting point, like you see in Paul in Acts 17 at the Areopagus. Areopagus, Areopagus, that's where he is. Anyways, it's listening and remembering helps people feel, um, helps them feel loved as well. I have a little example of that. So if um, your memory is not as great at remembering previous conversations that you do want to be loving and follow up on, um, I'm going to give you the example of Dale. When he does his work, he might see he's paired up in his work and he might see them, it might be two months before he sees them again. Sometimes he might see them twice in one week or it might be a long span. So at the end of the shift, they do get quite a bit of time to talk. Um, So he'll take a couple of notes and pop them into his little system and when they're scheduled to be paired again, so he'll, in his briefing time before, in the couple of hours before or the day before, 
He can see who he's paired with. He can hop into those notes and prayerfully consider how to build in that conversation. So that might be easy for some of us or take these little prompts that will help us. And it's, yeah, it's just another way of loving who we're in contact with. So our next level, our little progression and our next level into coffee, dinner, gospel. So we're praying that we'll have permission for the conversations to cross into the sacred and spiritual. So it might be sharing a gospel outline. Um, You might know a few different ones, but ones I can think of are two ways to live, Um, the bridge, there's two questions, or you can recount um, an encounter with Jesus from, from one of the gospels, tell it in your story way. Or a simple option is to, what we call letting the, the word do the work. So there's nothing to memorize. And you and your friend, you're praying that your friend will accept an invitation to read the Bible with you. Read the words of Jesus for themselves and that they can do that with you. Uh, so leading questions at this level get you this spiritual and sacred side. What Christmas traditions did your family have growing up? Or did your parents have a faith? And tell me about it. You can see there's a little bit of indirectness there. It's not too personal, but you think they'll hopefully get personal. And so you're listening. Uh, that'll open up opportunities for others to ask questions about you. Also, offering um, to pray for people opens up spiritual conversations. And subsequent conversations can link to these conversations. Again, lovingly remembering I thought uh, King Darius would be a good example of how we can look at these steps and, um, and perhaps the you know, ways that Daniel would have been praying for him as well. So we can tell that from Daniel 1 to 6, all those chapters, um, Daniel's faith is fairly clear. And so King Darius does know he's a Christian. They've obviously had personal conversations and when we see the outcome later. We know King Darius's worldview uh, is a polytheistic pagan god, so many gods that he has. And I guess Darius has mainly seen God in action. Um, but if Daniel's prayer was to, what we see is answered is for Darius to recognise the living God and his kingdom. And I do have a little ponder there, and I wonder when you, that last section of chapter six there, has Darius become a believer by the end of chapter six? Will we see him in the new creation when we're with Jesus? It's, you'll wonder. Anyway, I'll give another example of that. So, options for this prayer idea. So, you could uh, form little teams amongst yourselves here, if you have maybe there's existing groups that could pray try taking on these prayer tips together. Um, when I say you know, form a group on your front line, uh, that can be school or at work, and I can help with uh, work ones. There's Crew West can help with high school ones, and obviously CU can help with uni ones. But anyway, front lines anywhere, um, and I can help get them started. So existing prayer teams that we have with City Bible Forum, we have them meeting together in meeting rooms or cafes, or we have them online and hybrid. So really, even if you're working from home, you can jump to one of these existing prayer teams. I've put solo last, because we did see Daniel praying solo, but we did also see him in Chapter 2, having his team pray with him. He took that 
frontline issue he was having, took it to his friends to pray for God's will, for mercy and uh, for God's glory. So do aim for a team. (laughs) I'm happy to chat these options and to pray. And uh, this little brochure here covers the coffee, dinner, gospel motives that parallel these action steps. And I definitely have no time, but um, lots of examples of how we've seen these specific prayers prayed and answered, and I'd love to discuss and uh, your front lines and how to pray. Uh, how about I show you this in action and with one of my personal examples. It'd be great to give it a go even today. So my example would be my friend Helen. Um, we've known each other a couple of years, so we've obviously had lots of personal conversations. She definitely knows I'm a Christian. Um, we socialise lots of the ways. So her worldview, I know about her that she has, she went to Catholic school but had quite a hard time of it and various difficulties there. So I already know some pegs of where to start and where probably not to start with a, a gospel presentation there. We had a Bible conversation even just this week because I get to share my work and what I'm doing and I was rushing from a meeting to seeing her. And I'd It happened to pick up on Daniel as well, so she's seen little droplets of the gospel along the way, and I've been able to work out that she probably is open to looking at parts of the Bible with me in a, she likes a book club, so I've got a book club option that I'm working on there. So if you can, yeah, so that's sort of example. So where's where's a friend up to, what next, and what to pray? So I'm praying that I can, my next step about being able to invite her to look at the Bible and we'll do it in a little group setting. So I'm praying that we can put that into action, hopefully today, um, but we'll do that after I pray. And so it'll be, um, if you pair up with someone here or uh, morning tea, where's your friend up to now, what next? And to jump straight into praying. But before we do that, let's pray and give thanks for Daniel and Daniel 6, and for prayer. Our Father God, we thank you for using Daniel to show, shine, and share that you are the true king. Thank you for revealing yourself to us and to King Darius. And we thank you, Lord, that we see and that King Darius has seen that you are the living God and your kingdom is forever and will not be destroyed. We thank you that you rescue undeserving people like us, like Daniel, and maybe in this case, like King Darius, and you've called people and called us to yourself. Thank you that you alone show your authority in signs and wonders and your glory shown in the heavens and on earth. And we bring before you, Lord, and pray that all the peoples here in Cottesloe and Perth and beyond would see your glory and know the abundant life in Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayers, for bringing people into your everlasting kingdom. Thank you for giving us the joy we see with you at work and that we are given to share in this work. With the armour you give us and with you alongside us, we can face the cultural lines which confront us on our front lines. We pray more would know that our front lines are actually your dominion, the dominion of the true king, your son Jesus in whose glorious name we pray. Amen. And I'm going to drop a hint in there. I'm looking forward to seeing you again in Frontline February.